All right. Good morning. Welcome this morning. How y'all doing? Are you doing good? Awesome. Hey, a couple of quick announcements before we get into our Bible study. Wednesday night, we just finished uh, Ecclesiastes, and we are beginning Song of Solomon. So if you can join us Wednesday night, you'll be here for uh, the beginning of Song of Solomon. And then also we have on Saturday, we have probably our last surf camp of the year. So um, if you plan on going, please go online, sign up in case the weather gets gnarly and we have to make adjustments and change or, or cancel. And if you're wanting to get water baptized, we will have a baptism out there uh, during our time on the beach, um, barbecue, baptism. And then the, I think the team normally goes out to share also the gospel with people on the beach. So um, probably the last one of the year. Um, so if you can join us for that, I know it's going to be epic. God's going to blow us away with his goodness. With that, we have a Bible study this morning. We are in Revelation chapter 14. If you need a Bible, please raise your hand and we'll get one to you. Revelation 14. That's where we left off. Revelation 14. How far did we get last week? 15 or so? Five? We got through two verses, first service today. And last, well, we reduced our output by half. <laughs> I, I was shooting for like more, and uh, just didn't work. But it's good, isn't it? Good, the Lord's timing. He knows exactly what we need to hear. And amen to that. Because we kicked it in overdrive Wednesday night to finish Ecclesiastes, five chapters or something. Was it? Lord, we thank you so much. It's so good to be together, to be in your presence. To just settle our hearts now before you. We trust that um, the songs that we've sung have blessed you, that the thoughts and meditations of our hearts are pleasing to you this morning. And, and now, as we open your word and continue to worship you, we need to hear your voice. Just as you said, Lord Jesus, your sheep hear your voice, and they follow you. And so would you speak to our hearts this morning, and God, by the power of your Spirit, that you would change us, transform us. Please do those things that only you can do within each one of us. You are the potter, we are the clay. And so mold us and shape us. Have your way in this place this morning for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. All right, so I'm going to read uh, the verses this morning. Here's what God's Word says, verse 6, chapter 14 of Revelation. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel 
to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him. For the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water. And another angel followed saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation." He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. Let's stop right there just for a moment. And um, I want to set the context once again so we understand where we are uh, in relation to future events. We are looking at... Um, a time period um, that's going to happen on earth in chapter 6 all the way through chapter 19. It is a future time period known as the tribulation. That's right, a seven-year period known as the tribulation. It's also known as Jacob's uh, the time of Jacob's trouble, Daniel's 70th week, It's also called the day of the Lord. Very specific terms that are attached to this time period. And I just want to remind us again, I think it's good to be reminded of this. Um, I shared first service also. Um, I believe that uh, we will not be here on planet earth during that time period. As God's judgment is poured out upon a Christ-rejecting world, I believe Jesus is coming for us, his bride, his church, to take us out of here before the tribulation and to bring us to the place that he's preparing for us right now. You may remember John chapter 14. Remember what Jesus said there? Amazing promise. Amazing reminder this morning. He said, let not your heart be troubled. And I think, how many people this morning have come in with troubled hearts? I know first service people came in with troubled hearts. And maybe you've come in this morning with a troubled heart. And what did Jesus say straight up? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Isn't that good news this morning? Where's Jesus at right now? He's in the Father's house, 
preparing a place for you and for me. And he said, I'm coming back. And I'm coming back to do what? To receive you to myself and bring you to the Father's house that you may enjoy our time, our fellowship together for all eternity. And guess what? We're to comfort one another with those words. As we're told in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, that we are not appointed unto wrath, but Jesus is coming for his bride. His return is imminent. And listen, you're entitled to your own distorted opinion on that. People say, well, you're an escapist, pastor. And I would say, amen. Because Jesus said, pray at the end of the Olivet Discourse. He said, pray that you would escape all these things that are about to come to pass on planet Earth. So call me an escape. Are you a stayist? I don't know. What would you call you? But listen, that does not mean we are immune from tribulation small t. Are you with me? Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. While you're here, you're going to have, tri- you're going to have pressure. You're going to have difficulty. You're going to have hardship. We live in a fallen world, fallen people. We're fallen also. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for the work of your spirit within each one of us. But we're some fallen critters. We're jacked up, man, in need of a fresh work of the Holy Spirit to help us, to fix us, to heal us. But listen, Jesus said straight up, if we've chosen to follow him, he said, if you're following me, you're going the narrow way, and it is difficult that leads to life. He lets us know right up front, it's going to be hard. But the beautiful promise that you and I have is what? That he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So no no matter how gnarly it gets, he's with us. And I don't know how gnarly it's going to get here in the United States, by the way. I think persecution, personally, it's my own opinion, I think persecution is going to ramp up. It's It's already crunch time. And it's like, okay, Lord, you're in control. I trust you. I know you're coming for me. I know it may get heavy, like our brothers and sisters around the world, some of our missionaries, their lives, listen, their lives are on the line every single day. And so in this world, you will have tribulation, but be what? But be bummed and all miserable? Be like Eeyore, walk around like Eeyore, woe is me. But be what? Be of good cheer. Why? Give me one good reason. The Lord said, for I have overcome the world. And we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And so we keep on keeping on with Jesus. It will, it's going to get difficult, gang. It is difficult. But the tribulation, capital T, that is an unprecedented time. Seven years of unprecedented uh, wrath, judgment that will happen on planet Earth. And we've studied, haven't we? We saw the first set of chronological judgments when Jesus opened the seals, correct? We just sang about it, too, with the seventh seal being opened and kicked off the seven what? Trumpet judgments, Seventh trumpet, the seventh trumpet judgment will give way to the seven bowl judgments. We're going to see that not next week at the pace we're going. That's in chapter 15. But in the interspersed, I don't even know if that's a word, mixed in with the judgments, there's these pauses, these intermissions, where God gives us more information, more insight, more things that we need to know to be able to, be able to understand what will be going on during the tribulation period. And in this last pause, we're in this last intermission. It goes from chapter 12 all the way to chapter 14. And you remember who we, we were introduced to the dragon in chapter 12, the devil, right? He gets permanently evicted from heaven. 
where he, right now, he's, what is he doing? He's the accuser of the brethren, accusing the saints day and night before the Father, and Jesus doing what? He pleading, pleading our case. He belongs to me, right? We're, we're washed in the blood of the Lamb. We're okay. He's our, de- he's our defense, our wonderful counselor. But Satan gets evicted, and what, he knows his time is short on planet Earth. So what's he going to do? What he's been doing all along, right? Stealing, killing, and destroying. And he uses two specific people to do his dirty work. We learned about them in chapter 13. So in 12, we learned about the dragon. Chapter 13, we learned about the, who's the beast? We just read his name. Who's the beast? First beast. The Antichrist. We learned about the Antichrist and his empire, the last, the final empire on planet Earth before Jesus comes and sets up his kingdom, his everlasting kingdom. And so we also learned about the false prophet, right? And so during that time period, what's going to happen? You remember, it's the Antichrist who who, who starts the seven-year, kicks off the seven-year period by doing what? Signing a covenant with many of the Jews. He signs this covenant for seven years, this pact, this treaty, whatever it is, and he's embraced by all the world, right? He looks like, a, he looks like the hero on the scene. He makes this peace treaty, and then halfway in, what does he do? He breaks it. Three and, how long is halfway in the tribulation? Three and a half years, he breaks the covenant, And what does he do? He goes into the rebuilt temple. The temple will be rebuilt in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount. And what does he do? He stops sacrifice and offerings because that's going to start back up again too um, with the Jews. They're going to be sacrificing and offering there at the temple. He's going to put a stop to that. And what does he do? He demands to be worshipped as God goes into the temple, right? The false prophet does what? The false prophet has this, some kind of idolatrous speaking image, whatever it is, robot or AI or whatever it is, gnarly, and that thing speaks and brought into the Holy of Holies, no doubt. And Jesus said, spoke about all these things with the Antichrist at this time period as being the abomination of desolation. Jesus told us straight up, that's what's going to happen in the middle of the tribulation. and the Olivet Discourse, he warned the people that would see that what to do. What to do if they see that happen, to run for the hills, to flee. Why? Because the Antichrist goes on a rampage, killing people, murdering Jews, murdering Christians. And then what happens? The false prophet makes everyone take the mark of the beast. He causes them. Listen, it's not forced. It's you make a choice. Either you're going to follow Jesus Christ or you're going to follow the Antichrist. And if you want to do business... If you want to do business at that time, to buy or to sell or to do anything in the community, you need to get the mark of the beast where? On your right hand or on your forehead. No mark, guess what? Sorry, and you get killed. How about that? It's heavy. Worldwide persecution and execution will occur for everyone that doesn't play along. And so there will be a remnant, though, that give their lives to Jesus, that trust in him. But while all this is going on, Why are you sharing all this again, Pastor? (laughs) While all this is going on, what does God do? We just read it. God, in his mercy, sends three angels to planet Earth to reach out again in his mercy, in his goodness, in his loving kindness. I don't know about you, but my heart so often is so far from the Lord's heart. 
I share with first service, I was listening to worship as we were singing songs to the Lord, and um, there are people all around us heading to hell. And I began to think about my own kids. If they were drowning, what would I do? Think about your own kids. Don't you love them? And God loves people so much. He wants to rescue people. And we're going to read that in just a second. His heart for people. And what does he do at this time period? He sends three angels. Look what it says to me. Three angels to deliver messages to those on earth. And remember, chapter 12 and 13, dark, seemingly hopeless. You read, I don't know about you, but I was getting bummed out reading those chapters, going, man, this is going to be heavy for people. This is going to be gnarly. And then all of a sudden, what does God do? He infuses hope in all of this and shows us his heart. He shows us how he cares about mankind. Look what it says, verse 6 and 7. John saw an angel doing what? Cruising through the sky. And this angel was doing what? The angel had the gospel with him, having the everlasting gospel, carrying the good news to proclaim to who? Every single human being on the entire planet. You know what that tells me? God is equal opportunity. He wants everybody to be saved. You know what else it tells me? It's interesting because some people say, you know, if I just saw an angel... If an angel showed up in my bedroom, I would give my life to the Lord. Listen, if an angel showed up in your bedroom, you'd probably drop dead. And you wouldn't have a chance to repent and get right with God. But I mean, this is awesome to think. And there's no language barrier at all. He's speaking in everybody's languages, sharing the gospel with them, the good news, the everlasting gospel with everyone. Isn't that beautiful, you guys? I believe it's an angel. Some people used to say, oh, it's some kind of a satellite that flies around and broadcasts the good news and blah, blah, blah. Listen, I'm a literal teacher of the Bible. What you see is what you get, unless the context tells us differently. This is an angel. God is doing everything he can to get man's attention. This is supernatural stuff. No one is, in, is excluded. And remember, at this time, Um, This is at a time when a mere man, the Antichrist, is demanding to be feared, demanding to be worshipped. He's pressuring everyone, and he's receiving praise also, isn't he? Who is like the beast? Who's like this guy? Who can stop him? Nobody can. He's amazing. He's awesome. we got to follow this guy. Who can make war with him? Well, this angel, look at it, he's got the volume cranked way up. Look at the end of verse 6. Saying with a loud voice, number one, fear God. Fear God, respect Him, honor Him, reverence Him. Give glory to Him. Give glory to Him alone. And then notice why, for is a reason word, for the time or the hour of His judgment has come. The final judgment has arrived. And then he also says what? And worship him who made the heaven and the earth, the sea and springs of water. Remember that word worship, what it means. Worship, it comes from an old English word, worth-ship. It means to ascribe worth to. And so the angel, the last thing he says in this message, he's saying, ascribe worth to who? To the creator of all things. 
Not to who? Not to this man. Not to this, the Antichrist. He didn't create nothing. He didn't make anything. He can't make something out of nothing. And think about who these listeners are too. What have they been indoctrinated by? They've been indoctrinated by the demonic, godless philosophy of evolution. Oh, and if you're a churchgoer in here and you buy into that, man, you need to get your head checked. I love you. The devil has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Men love darkness rather than light. They won't come to the light because their deeds are evil. And what does God do in the midst of this darkness? Here comes this, this angel flying through the air, proclaiming, the, notice it's the everlasting gospel. This gospel does not change. It is from everlasting to everlasting, from vanishing point to vanishing point is the idea. It is, man, it is the good news. And by the way, God's wrath and judgment came before in, a, in, the for, in another form, didn't it? God's judgment came before in another form. In fact, I'm going to flip over there. 2 Peter chapter 3, real quick. I think it'll help us here. 2 Peter 3. Again, we, we see here in Revelation, even in the towards the tail end of the tribulation period, throughout the whole tribulation period, God is doing whatever it takes to get a hold of everybody. And here's what Peter wrote. Listen to this. Beloved, you beloved, I now write to you this second epistle in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. We need reminding, don't we? Do we need reminding, gang? that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. And so, he's, you know what he's saying? I want to remind you of things that you've already heard. Things that you've heard from God's word. Things that you've heard from us. We need reminders. So what does he remind them of? Look what it says. Knowing this first that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. What's a scoffer, by the way? Mocker, thank you. Someone that makes fun. You guys ever had that happen to you as Christians? You talk about the Lord's coming, you talk about his return, and people go, you're nuts. My aunt talked about that. My uncle talked about that. I heard someone at school say that. He hasn't come. It's been 2,000 years. What's going on, man? And it says they walk according to their own lusts. Isn't that interesting? They're, they're in darkness. What's the problem? Look at the next verse. For this, they willfully, what does your Bible say? They willfully forget that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water. When I taught 2 Peter the first time, I asked the kids at church, what does that mean to, be, to willfully forget? You know what some of them said? 
I got it written in my Bible because it was so classic. It means to be stupid on purpose. I thought, you said it, not me. That's awesome. Stupid on purpose. Of what? Of God creating and also God judging with the flood. But then he goes on to say, listen to this. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word. It's Jesus upholding all things by the word of his power. Right now, everything you see around you being upheld by Jesus. He says, he says what? They are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition or destruction of ungodly men. But beloved, do not forget this. One, don't forget this one thing, that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. God doesn't measure time the way we do. In fact, look what he says as he finishes. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but, here's the heart of God, is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Did you guys catch that with me? God's not a slacker. His in, listen, his patience is not his approval or endorsement for sin. Are you with me? His patience is not his endorsement or approval of sin. Because some people, they think, oh, I'm getting away with this. God doesn't care. He's, you know what? He's, no, 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 no. He is patient, not willing that any should perish, but that everyone should come to repentance. You know what that tells me? God's heart burns for every person that's lost. And we see it back, let's flip back to Revelation 14. We see it now in what he does by sending three angels at this time period. And so this is his grace, his mercy. He wants to save everyone. This angel will not be silenced, and he is faithful to proclaim the everlasting gospel to all people. If you're taking notes, I'm going to read this one verse, Matthew 24. It is the Olivet Discourse. Listen to what Jesus said. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Did everybody catch that? Did it go up on the scoreboard or not? It did. There it is. Thank you. And this gospel of the kingdom, this everlasting gospel, will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the what will come? The end will come. And so, what does God do? He makes sure that everyone has the opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I have people ask me, well, what about the guy on the island? Anybody hear about the guy on the island? If you're so concerned about the guy on the island, maybe you need to go talk to him about Jesus. Maybe you need to get saved and then carry the everlasting gospel to him. Since your heart is burning to know what's going to happen to the guy on the island. Well, I'll tell you what's going to happen. Romans chapter 1. Man is without excuse. How do we know that? Because of creation, number one. Creation testifies to a creator. Intelligent design testifies to what? An intelligent designer. 
conscience, our God-given, our God-given moral compass of right and wrong. God's given that to you. But the problem is what? What does Paul say in Romans? You guys know what Paul says in Romans chapter 1? There, there are no atheists. Everybody knows God, not personally, knows God. But what do they do? They suppress the truth and unrighteousness, it says. And then what happens? They don't glorify God nor are thankful. But what? They begin to worship the creation rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. And so there's a downward spiral that happens in the heart and life of a person that keeps rejecting and doesn't want to hear the good news. But listen, during the church age, you and I, we've been called to proclaim the everlasting gospel, haven't we? God doesn't give it to angels right now. That's not the job for angels. That's the job for you and me. Didn't Jesus say that? Go into all the world and preach what? The good news? Preach the gospel? Are you guys rescued? Did you guys get rescued? Did Jesus rescue you? I've said this before, rescued people, rescue people. I don't know about you, I am so glad for all those people that had the boldness, the guts to share with me before I came to know Jesus. I'm like, there were some off-the-wall nutcases. I'm, I know exactly, I still remember them. They were like, turn or burn, buddy. You're going to hell if you don't give your life to Jesus. And at the time, I'm like, dude, get out of my face, bro. And then there were people that shared like eloquently, but I mean, I'm eternally grateful for all of them because I was on the highway to hell, man, <laughs> thinking I was cool with God. I was cool with the man upstairs. Listen, if you're calling God the man upstairs, you need to have a checkup from the neck up, bro. Because <laughs> it's exactly what the angel's saying here. You got no fear of God. And that's man's problem, Paul said later in Romans. No fear of God before their eyes. Walking in our own ways, according to the dictates of our own hearts. Living life on a carnal, fleshly plane and nowhere else. Living life under the sun, like we learned in Ecclesiastes. And so, we're called to proclaim. Everyone needs to hear the message. It's the, listen, it is the only message that can save a soul. It's the only message that can transform and change a human being's life. It is the, the, the power of the gospel. It's the power. It is the gospel. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation for who? Everyone that believes. It's not, in, it's not in our education. It's not in our study. It is simply sharing the gospel. The gospel has the DNA, the power to change the life. It doesn't matter how many doctorates you have or letters in front of your name or in back of your name, PhD, piled high and deep. Whatever, whatever that stands for, I'm not really... Some of you will get that later. It's totally cool. It's just sharing the good news. It's the most important message of all time. It is the life-changing, eternity-changing message, the good news of Jesus Christ. And we've been now entrusted with that. We are to be faithful with that. And so how long does the gospel last? It says it's an everlasting gospel. And remember where it began. It didn't begin just when Jesus came. We learn in Revelation that he was the lamb slain from before the what? Foundation of the world. So sometime in eternity past, God knew that you and I would blow it. Correct? He knew that we would sin, that we would need rescue, we would need a savior. 
And it was the Lord Jesus who was willing to come to do what? To seek and to save that which is lost. Can you imagine leaving the glory of heaven and coming to this cesspool, buffalo bayou, gnarly place? Leaving the holiness of heaven and coming here, subjecting himself to being abused and beaten, bleeding out on the cross. And then we, from everlasting to everlasting in the gospel, he came, he did the work, he suffered, died, and was buried and rose again on the third day. And in all eternity, when we look at the lamb, we will still see the scars, the marks of slaughter that he bears to remind us, you and me, of the price he paid that we might be with him forever. That's the everlasting gospel. And so... What is the gospel, the good news? Can I read real quick from 1 Corinthians 15? Here it is encapsulated for us. What do I share? How do I share it? 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul writes in verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. And here's the gospel. Here's what he shared with them. Here's what they received, are standing in, holding on to. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Real simple. You guys see that? Paul tells us, here's the gospel I shared with you. And when he came to Corinth, he said, I'm just going to preach Christ and him crucified. And what happened? Boom! A marvelous work of God's Spirit in that city of Corinth. People getting saved left and right. And so, how does the gospel get out? It says in our verse back in chapter 14, what did the, we learn from an angel today. What does he do? Well, he has the everlasting gospel, and he preaches it. What does it mean to preach? It means to proclaim. It means to declare. It means, check this out, it means to talk about, and it means to communicate also, to communicate the good news. Should we communicate the gospel with our lips? Listen to what it says in Romans 10. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Is that good? How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Did you guys catch that, what it says there? Like, how can they hear unless someone goes and shares with them the gospel? How can people save? How can they believe on the name of Jesus if no one's willing to share? Then no one's going to hear the good news 
And isn't that beautiful? He says, though, for those of you who do go and share, he says what? God says what? you got some beautiful feet. The highest use of your feet going out to share the good news of my son with a lost and dying world. You may be saying, my feet look funky. i got weird toes or whatever. Listen, when God looks at those feet, when you're sharing, he says, those are beautiful feet. You're bringing good news. Well, I'm scared. I'm scared to share. I'm, I'm, I'm lacking courage sharing. What do I do? Should I get really pumped up? Should we get like a little holiness huddle and pump each other up? Come on, you can do this, man. Let's go. Get in there. Is that what we should do? What did the early church do? You guys remember? Y'all remember? First of all, Jesus said, here's what I have for you. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, not the, not the Holy Spirit coming into you and sealing you, but the baptism, the filling, the overflowing of the Holy Spirit upon your life so that you can be my witnesses, be wit- my witnesses wherever you go. D- did that happen with the early church? Were they witnesses? They were, weren't they? Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came upon the believers there. And what happened? Peter wasn't the same chicken as he once was, Right? He gets baptized with the Holy Spirit, and man, he's preaching it up. He's remembering scriptures. He's helping the people connect the dots spiritually. Thousands of people get saved. Instant megachurch. Wow. By just sharing the good news of the gospel. But then the early church starts to get some heat, don't they? They start to get pounded a little. And remember what happened? Acts chapter 4. I'm going to read it. Acts chapter 4. Do you have a point here, Pastor? I do. So Peter and John come back. They tell them about all that went down. And they begin this amazing prayer. And I'm just going to catch it right to the tail end of their prayer because it's the request. It's in, ver- it's in chapter 4, verse uh, 29. And here's their request. Now, now, Lord, look on their great threats. Lord, they're hassling us. Do you see what they're doing to us? This is hard. This is difficult. The heat's turning up, Lord. What's the second part of their prayer? And grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Do you guys see that? By stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Does God answer that prayer? Do you guys like when God answers prayers? So this is a prayer that God answered, and you guys like when God answers prayers. Look how he answers. Isn't this beautiful? And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, 
and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Aren't you glad God's into refills? Isn't that be- without charging? They're all filled with the Holy Spirit, and what did they do? They spoke the word of God. How? Oh, isn't that amazing? They didn't say, Lord, look upon their request. Look upon their, their, man, they're hurting us, Lord. They're hassling us. Lord, take them out, rub them out, wipe them out, do whatever you can. Lord, get us out of here. I would say they have God's heart. Give us boldness to connect with these people. Give us what we need to reach them, Lord. My heart is so far from yours, Lord. Give me boldness, the courage. Fill me afresh. That's a prayer that God's going to answer. Because we can chicken out, can't we? No? just But what does God have for us? The power of the Holy Spirit to do His work with His power. And so, look at the three things in chapter 14. We have time. I can't believe it. We got time. Verse 7. Three things the angel says. Fear God, give glory to God, and worship God. Do you see those three things with me? Fear God. Reverent, respect, honor. Do you remember what Jesus said about fearing God? In Luke chapter 12, I'm going to read it. And I say to you, my friends, he's speaking to his disciples. And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that, have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, Fear him. Wow. The Lord says, don't worry about what they can do to your body, man. Don't fear those people. Fear God. And then he says something cool. Listen, he goes on. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? And not one of them is forgotten before God. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Did you guys know that? The hairs of your head are all numbered? Some of you without hair, they're good. He knows, the Lord knows. Got a couple little curly cues. That's how intimately acquainted he is with you and I. But he says, listen, do not, do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. He says, here's the deal. Don't fear men. Fear God. Don't fear what man can do to you. Man can take your body, but guess what? If, if man takes your body, you get martyred, you get killed, where do you go? Straight to the presence of Jesus Christ. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. If you are in right relationship with God, trusting in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, your last breath here will be your first breath in heaven with Jesus Christ. We need not, listen, we need not fear men. He says, don't fear You're more valuable. How valuable are you? You know how valuable you are this morning? As Jesus said, more than the sparrows, because Jesus gave his life to purchase you and me. He gave his his life to set us free. 
to give us life. And Jesus went on to say, Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That's awesome. What's God's pleasure to do? To give you the kingdom. To bless you. Fear God. In fact, I took a couple notes on fearing God in the Psalms. Can I read them to you guys real quick? That's a couple amens. That's cool. I'm going to read it. I wasn't going to wait for really just eyewash. Because I think some of you all need to hear this this morning. Not think, I know. Listen to what it says, Psalm 33, verse 18. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Wow. Guess what? It looks like we're moving closer and closer to famine. Whether you realize it or not. Remember when God took care of his God-fearing prophet, Elijah? Remember Elijah? Did God take care of him? Remember that dude? He's out at the brook there all alone, and all of a sudden, zzz, here, come, here comes a raven, right? Straight from H-E-B, Heb, Hebrew market, and delivers his breakfast, right? Comes right, zip. Then morning and evening, the raven comes again, zip, delivers. You guys remember that? And then the brook Cherith dried up. What do I do now? Did God take care of him in the famine? Did Elijah fear God? He sure did. He only got in trouble when he started to fear a woman. Instead of fearing God. Remember what happened? River dried up, brook dries up. What does he do? God called him to go where? To go to the widow's place. Did God provide for him there? Famine in all the land. Will God take care of you if you fear him? That's what it says right here. To keep them alive in famine. God's eye is on you if you fear him. He says in Psalm 34, verse 9, Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. We have some saints here this morning. Not Saints fans. We have some saints here this morning. (laughs) Yeah, you're trusting in Jesus Christ. It says, O fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Does anybody like that promise of fearing him? Psalm 112, verse 1. Psalm 112, verse 1. Another verse on fearing God. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man. What does it mean to be blessed? Blessed. Thank you. Oh, how happy is the man or woman. Does anybody want to be happy? No, I want to be just bummed and just depresso. Oh, how happy is the man who what? What does it say? Who fears the Lord and who delights greatly in his, what's your book say? What's the book say? Commandments. You want to be blessed? Yeah, I want to be blessed. Hallelujah. 
and fear God and keep his word. Psalm 147. Are you going to read through all the fear of God? No, just this last one. Oh, verse 11. Anybody want to please the Lord this morning? Anybody want to make God happy? Look what it says. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear Him, in those who hope in His mercy. It's awesome. So the angel says, this is great counsel for us this morning too. Fear God. Number two, glorify God. What does it mean to glorify? It's kind of an elusive term, isn't it? What does it mean to glorify God? Because we say that, don't we? We're going to glorify God this morning. I'm going to glorify God with my gifts. I'm going to glorify. What does that mean to glorify God? Think about it with me. To glorify God. So check it out. It means to give honor It means to give thanks. Listen, it also, and here's a real simple way to think about it, it means to make the Lord look good. To make the Lord look good. To thank Him, to honor Him, to make Him look good. Remember what Jesus, remember the ten lepers that got cleansed? How many came back to say, thank you? So Jesus takes notice of our thanks. One comes back. And remember what he said to the dude? Have none returned to give glory to God, but you, a foreigner? You're the only one that came to to say thank you, to honor God, to make God look good? In fact, you guys remember Belshazzar? It's like, who's that? Remember Belshazzar, Daniel chapter 5? King after Nebuchadnezzar. You guys remember the whole hand on the right, handwriting on the wall deal? You guys remember that? Hand, mini, mini, tickle you, farson. You guys remember that? You've been weighed in the balances. You've been found wanting. And he's freaking out. Knees are knocking. He's tripping. God says, your time's up, dude. And what does Belshazzar do? Man, I need to find out what's going on. I need someone that can share with me what's going on. Listen, tomorrow at work, there's going to be people that need to know what's going on. At school tomorrow, that are wondering what's going on out there. Things are getting more and more jacked up. It's getting darker and darker. Do you know that people have those questions? I know some of you have told me that. You have the answer. I have the answer. It's found in Jesus, in His Word. Belshazzar's like, what's going on? Get me someone to help me understand. And, it's, and here's what Daniel said. Daniel 5, 22. I don't have time to go through his whole deal. But you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, although you knew all this. You knew what happened to Nebuchadnezzar, your father, how he got put out to pasture till he repented and got right. And you have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven. 
They have brought the vessels of his house, of God's house, before you. And you and your lords, your wives, your concubines have drunk wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze and iron, wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know. And the God who holds your breath in his hand. The God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways, you have not glorified. Wow. That's an eye-opening verse, isn't it? Who's upholding your next breath? The Lord is. Who owns all your ways? The Lord does. And what does he want us to do? Simply say, thank you, Lord. <laughs> how, can I gl- how can I glorify him today? Oh, I-, I learned about fearing him. How can I glorify him? Lord, thank you that my life is in your hands. Lord, I want all your ways to be my ways. <laughs> I don't want to jack stuff up. I want to make you look good, Lord. And then he says, finally, fear him, the angel. Three things, right? Worship him. Fear him, glorify him, and worship God. Jesus said, the Father is seeking those that will worship him in what? In spirit and in truth. And we get to what? We get to ascribe worth to Jesus every time. Not just when we sing songs on the radio or come in here before the Bible study and sing. That it, yes, that is. But listen, every time you trust Jesus, every time you obey his word, you're saying, Lord Jesus, you're worth it. That's worship. You're worth all of my faith, all my trust, all my obedience. I will walk in your ways because I deem you worth it to follow you wherever you lead. That's worship, gang. And the angel says what? Fear God, glorify God, and worship God in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much. This amazing passage. I pray you would help us, Lord, to walk in the things you've ministered to our hearts. And God, I pray for my precious brothers and sisters that... Um, that they would take away only those things that have come from you, God. The precious removed from the vile. And that truly we would have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. As you lead us, as you guide us, as you direct our steps, we... We want to be right in the middle of your perfect will. And Lord, we know that comes with difficulty sometimes and tribulations with a small t. Thank you that you are with us. Thank you that, for that amazing promise that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. That you are the author and the finisher of our faith. with us each step of the way.